Okay, welcome back to our next session. Uh, let's bow our heads for prayer before we begin. Dear loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be able to study your word. And uh, just be with us, continue to keep our minds clear, um, be with each one of those here, and just bless them, help them to have understanding and just to fall deeper in love with you, and also to gain the knowledge to be able to share this with others. We love you, we love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so I've had these uh, notes up on the screen for a little while, so hopefully you have gotten a chance to jot them down. So we will begin, if you have not gotten these, once again, you will see them marked throughout the study, number one, number two, number three, and you can also mark them as we go throughout the study. And I will also have this PowerPoint study up, it will be on Audioverse, so you'll be able to access it there. Okay, so today, uh, this study is on the law of liberty. And the purpose of this study is to show that the moral law of God is a transcript of his character and the embodiment of divine love. And to center it, Christ wins our hearts, and through his love, he conforms us to be like him. Okay, so the very first question, how you want to start this study, is you want to ask, you want to point their attention to the title, The Law of Liberty. Now, don't those two words kind of sound like an oxymoron? How do, how do they go together? Most people will not ever equate the law, and any law, with liberty. Uh, they think of more chains and just, they don't like the law, just as no one likes that sound. So, what about, is, is there a law that sets us free? Don't laws usually restrain our freedom? Um, this might seem contradictory, but actually in the Bible, we find that all throughout the Bible, the Bible calls the law the law of liberty. And so today we're going to look at the biblical record of the law of liberty. So our first verse that we're going to turn to to look at is James 2, 8 through 12. James 2, 8 through 12. And it says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who, who will be judged by the law of liberty. So what law is James talking about here? The Ten Commandments, right? Um, because you can see, once again, it says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, and those are two of the Ten Commandments. So the law that is being spoken of here is the Ten Commandments. And what does God call the Ten Commandments? The law of liberty. Very good. So this is what the Bible uh, thinks of when, it, when it's ta- talking about law. It's, it calls it the law of liberty. Now, a good illustration that you can share with people that you study with is um, back at the beginning of our country, when people came across to settle in America, they were being persecuted, and so the reason why they came to America was to have freedom. What was the first thing that they did when they got here? They established laws. And so some laws are good. Some laws will give you freedom. And uh, so some laws will enable you to exercise your freedom. Others disable your freedom. And today we're going to look at God's law and find that it actually gives us room to exercise our freedom. It's not a restricting law. So here's our transition. What is the law? Let's first look at what is the law? What is God's standard? And we will turn to Exodus 20, 1 through 17. Exodus 20, 1 through 17. And we see here, this, these are the Ten Commandments. And um, 
you can read through them if you'd like during the study. We will not read through them right now, but um, you want to make sure that the person you're studying with is familiar with the Ten Commandments. And an illustration that you can kind of give, this is God's moral law. So you can kind of illustrate with a game of basketball, or any game for that matter. If you are looking at a game and you want to play a game, if you don't have rules, is it as much fun as if you do have rules? I know when I was a kid, we would play games and we'd try to leave out the rules, but then there would end up being bickering and complaining because some people want to do it this way, other people want to do it that way, and in the end, everyone was upset at each other and it just didn't turn out to be a good time. But if you have rules, in the end, uh, the winner's happy, the other people are like, oh, I'm going to try next time because there's a standard to, that is set that they're going to follow. So generally, rules in a game are a good thing. And just like rules make um, games more meaningful, moral standards make life more meaningful. Um, and God, in all his love and mercy, he's given us the Ten Commandments, not as a back-breaking task that we just have to follow every single day, but he's given them to give us freedom to live our lives. So when he says, do not kill, he's trying to protect our life. When he says, do not steal, he's trying to protect our things. When he says, don't commit adultery, he's trying to protect our marriages. So God, when you look at it in that light, and, and we've seen throughout all the studies that we've gone through so far, he's a loving God. He wouldn't be one that's just trying to, to control our lives and just make our lives terrible. No, he's wanting to make our lives better. Okay, so the next transition that you would give would be, what did Jesus teach about the law when he was here on earth? So when he was walking earth, what did he teach about the law? And let's go to Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. If someone could read that for us. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay, so who are we supposed to love? God and your neighbor. Very good. Excellent. Okay, so let's go to our next verse and see... um, First of all, our question is, is Jesus replacing the Ten Commandments then with these two? Are these two new commandments? Um, what do we do with this? God was only listing two right there. What does that mean? So let's look and see. Is he replacing the Ten Commandments that we just read about in Exodus with these two? Let's go to Romans 13, 8 through 10. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so here Paul is saying, Jesus was summarizing them. Here he's stating all the commandments, and then he's saying that they're all summed up in the one saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus was just summarizing. And a lot of times, I'm a teacher, so I'm going to give you a teaching illustration. A lot of times as teachers, you have a lot of you know, rules for your kids to follow. So you're not going to want them to hit their friend or to steal someone else's lunchbox or to hit their, you know, slam their book to the ground really loud and disrupt the class. Or The list goes on for forever. But instead of listing all these laws, you can just, we, a lot of times we'll just say respect God, respect yourself, respect others, and they encompass all those laws. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's not listing all the ten, but he's summarizing the ten, or the, the ten commandments with these two. And also Paul says that love is the fulfillment of the law. And the Bible says God is love. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. 
So let's go on to our next verse. And before we do that, let's look at uh, what is the dictionary's definition of freedom? The dictionary defines freedom as the ability to act freely, a state in which somebody is able to act and live as he or she chooses without being subject to anybody or to any undue restraints and restrictions. So how do laws that restrain then, how do they give us freedom? Hebrews 10, 15, and 16. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Okay, so where is God going to write the law? In our hearts. This is really important because a lot of times, um, you know, people might have the law in their minds, but if it's not in your heart, it's not going to do any good, right? God wants us to, to live out the law in our actions and not just be saying, okay, Am I going to keep this? Am I doing this today? It's not just by actions. He's going to, he wants to write it in our hearts. It's going to be from a relationship with him. And there's a really neat story to tell about this that will illustrate um, the point. There once was uh, a couple, and they just gotten married, and they went on their honeymoon. And when they came back, the husband handed his wife a long list of things that she had to do every day. And so you know, every day he went to work, and she had to clean the floor and do the dishes and do the wash and sweep and clean everything else, and the list went on. And then when he got back, he'd walk into the door, and he'd run his finger along and see if there's any dust, and if there's any little speck of dust, he'd beat her. And if she just didn't do anything to his liking, he would beat her. And so she just grew to hate these lists every day because he was not at all loving toward her. Well, years went by, this kept happening, and luckily for her, um, her husband passed away. <laughs> and so... Years went by, and she decided she's not going to, you know, get married again. She doesn't want to do that again. But after a few years, she did fall in love with this man, and they got married. And they had a wonderful marriage. She was happily in love with him, and they had many years together. And one day, she was up in the attic and cleaning the attic, and she was going through a chest, and, and she opened the chest, and out falls one of the old lists that her husband had given her. And just those old feelings started boiling up inside of her, and you know, she just, her blood just kind of stopped, and she just grew rigid, and she was reading the list, and the first thing said, sweep the floor, and she's like, huh, I do that now, and read the next thing, oh, wash the dishes, well, yeah, I do that now, too, and do the laundry, yeah, I do that, and on and on, everything on the list she did now, but what was the difference? Love, very good. Her attitude had completely changed. And that's how we need to be with the law of God. God, the first thing God asked for us, before he asked us to keep the law, God asked us to love him. So God wants us to have a relationship with us. And he, we just read in the last verse that he wants to write his law in our hearts. So he wants that relationship with us first. And after that, then we'll naturally, as we grow closer to him, we will grow to be like him. So what would be an outward sign of our love for God? We'll look at the answer in John 14, 15. John 14, 15. And it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, many people might be trying to keep the commandments, and 
And uh, once again, God will judge the motive. But, you know, if we love him, we will be keeping his commandments because the Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's just something you'll do out of love. Just like the lady, when she loved her husband, she naturally wanted to please him. She naturally wanted to do these things. And that will be the same with us. When we love God, we'll want to keep his commandments. But not only that, um, we'll find that the law is a transcript of God's character. And so the closer we become like him, we'll just emulate his character. And we'll naturally do those things without even thinking. Um, but does God command things because they are good, or does he, are they good because God commands them? That's a question that Plato asked, and it's actually a trick question because the law is God, and God is the law. So we see that God's law is a natural expression of himself. The two concepts are indivisible. And I, will ha- I have a handout for you that I will be getting to you next weekend, and it compares uh, all the characteristics, all the verses that talk about God's character and then the law, and you can see that they're all the same, all in one. And so the closer we get to God, the more we will become like him. Just like, I don't know if you ever noticed, if you spend time with someone, uh, you will naturally kind of pick up traits that they have, maybe mannerisms, maybe sayings, the longer that you are with that person. And that's the same with us and God. When we are spend time with God, we will naturally just become like him. We'll, we'll be keeping his law without even thinking about it. So our next verse is 1 John 4, 8. 1 John 4, 8. Someone wants to read that for us. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay, this is really powerful. So as Christians, we are to be loving. God is a loving God, and we want to emulate that in our, in our character as well. So the next question you would ask would be, do you keep the law perfectly? Or are you like Paul in Romans when he says, I do what I don't want to do, and what I don't want to do, I do. And a lot of times people you're studying with, and even ourselves, we come up to this question and we're like, man, you know, I, I know I, I love God, I want to be like him, but I keep falling. And, and we are all sinners, we will fall, but God, there's a, there's a, the next text is just so encouraging for this. Whenever you feel discouraged and just, you know, you're feeling like Paul where you're just stumbling, God has something important to tell us. And let's look in 2 Corinthians 3, 3, 17 and 18. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Excellent. So um, God is working on each one of us. He is molding our characters. We are all works in progress, and so we don't need to be discouraged because God is still forming us. God is still working on us and shaping us. A good illustration of this is there was a man. He was struggling with these same feelings. He was thinking, you know, he was just in church one day, praying to God, saying, God, you know, I just keep struggling with um, such and such a sin and such and such a sin, and I, you know, I keep asking forgiveness, and I'm going to do it, and then I ask forgiveness again, um, please, and he's just battling with God. Well, all the time he was praying about his struggles, he heard this chipping noise outside the church, and so finally, at the end of the prayer, he goes outside, and there's this sculptor, and he's um, sculpting away at this piece of stone, and the, the praying man said, what are you doing? And the sculptor said, look up there. He pointed toward the hole in the steeple. He said, I'm sculpting this piece of stone to fit to, so that someday it'll fit into the hole up there. And then it dawned on him that that was what God was doing with him right now. God was sculpting him into what he, he wanted him to be so that someday he would be able to fit into heaven. He'd be able to just walk in there because he had God's character in his heart. And so the closer we come to Christ, the, the more we fall in love with him, the easier it is to keep the law, and it's not going to be a burden for us. It's not going to be something, oh, did I keep this today? Did I keep that today? Because 
when we're so in love with Christ, we will naturally just emulate his character. And remember, the law we found out today is his character. So for the appeal, the way that you would kind of draw them in at the close would be, what would keep you from wanting the law of love in your heart and allowing God to write his law in your heart and make you a citizen for heaven? Um, what would keep you from uh, stopping to try to work it out? Uh, all your life you might have been, you know, working out those good works and trying to keep the law but not having that real love. Instead, just focusing on uh, coming closer to Christ and, and getting to know him better. And as you do that, you'll naturally keep the law. And so... Um, that is the end of that study. Now, there are some defendants that you want, um, want to put on the back of your paper. And these are some questions that might be asked after the study ends. And the first question would be, but doesn't the Bible say Christ is the end of the law? That's in Romans 10.4. And you need to help them understand that the end, um, they're just misinterpreting the word end. It doesn't not mean... Um, it's, not talking, it's, it's a different context. It's talking about um, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He's the end as in he fulfills it. Um, so that's the context that the Bible's talking about here. Romans 3, um, 31, you'll want to write down as well. And if someone wants to turn there, we can read that. Romans 3, 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Okay, so Paul's saying... The law is not void. We establish the law. So even when, when we have faith, when we have faith and we have love in God, that we still have the law. The law is not done away with. Also, Matthew five seventeen. Let's see what Jesus said about this. Matthew five seventeen. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Okay, so Jesus himself says he's not there to destroy the law. He's there to fulfill it. In every sense of the word, Jesus fulfilled the law. He is the law. That is a transcript of his character, which we saw in today's study. Another question you might have or you might find people ask is, is the moral law, the Ten Commandments, and the ceremonial law the same thing? What's the difference? So first you want to review with them there's many different types of laws. There's moral laws, health laws, ceremonial laws, civil laws, and... So one way we're going to look at this is we're going to look at the placement, what the Bible talks about, the placement of these laws, okay? So we're going to look at Deuteronomy 10, 4, and 5. Deuteronomy 10, 4, and 5. And see where these laws were placed. It might give us some insight into this. Do we have any volunteers? Yes. Go ahead. And he wrote on the tables according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord spake unto you in the mount, out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly, and the Lord gave them unto me. And I turned myself and came down from the mount and put the tables in the ark which I had made, and there they be, as the Lord commanded me. Okay, where was this law placed? Inside the ark. And the ark is a replica of the one in heaven, right? So it's inside the ark. That's very important. Now let's look at it in Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31. And verse 25 and 26. That Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. Okay, so the first law in the other chapter was talking about the Ten Commandments. This law is talking about the Torah, the first five books. These are the ones that Moses wrote, the ceremonial laws. And where were they put? Were they put inside as well? 
No, they're put beside. So there's a difference there. Let's continue to look at these two laws um, and see who communicated each one of them. So let's look at Exodus 31, 18. And whoever wants to read that, they may. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. Okay, so these laws were written by God's very own finger. The Ten Commandments, God thought they were so important that he actually spoke them to the Israelites and wrote them with his own stone twice, on, with his own hand twice on stone. And then they were also placed inside the ark. Okay, and then Deuteronomy 31, 9, 24 through 26. So let's read about the ceremonial laws there. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. Okay, so who wrote the ceremonial laws? Moses. Okay, so there is a difference between the two, the moral and the ceremonial laws. There is definitely a difference. Okay, so then what laws should I keep? Um, John 18, in John 18, Jesus says that his kingdom is not of this world. Um, the Jews rejected him, so now there's a spiritual Israel. And so the, some specific Jewish laws are not valid because there's no Jewish nation. The only thing that Jesus' death did away with was the ceremonial law because it pointed toward him. Some of God's laws are principles, and some are policies. Um, there's an illustration. For example, if you open the door, is, is opening a door a wrong action in itself? No. But like if you open the door and there's poisonous gas outside, would that be a bad thing? Yeah, so it's all in the situation. And um, so this is the example with God's laws. Some laws are um, principles. Um, Romans 7, 7. Paul shows that the Ten Commandments are intrinsically moral. Um, he says, I would not have known sin except through the law. And then he talks about covetousness. So we see that the Ten Commandments are, are moral. They're forever. Um, one of the Israelite laws was not to urinate outside the camp of Israel. Why did God say this? He said it basically because he didn't want them to pollute the water system so that they wouldn't uh, die. And so it kind of goes along with Thou shalt not kill. He doesn't want them to kill others or themselves. He wants them to be healthy. And all these laws, you know, when we read them, it's kind of a side note, but when we read the civil, civil laws, you know, God gave them for a reason on, once upon a time back to the Israelites because he, he wanted for their best interests, right? So they're all for their health, for their well-being. They're all, they're not, you know, when you look at the law in any, any way, shape, or form, all the different the laws God gives, they're all for our benefit. They're all because he loves us. And then um, another example is just 1 Corinthians seven nineteen. Um, you know, Paul talks about circumcision versus uncircumcision, and then he says, you know, the Ten Commandments is what counts. So we are to look for intrinsic moral principles. The Ten Commandments are our moral compass. Okay. And any questions? Questions? Okay. Well, let's um, close with a word of prayer, and uh, let's just bow our heads. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your law, and uh, thank you so much for giving us that guiding uh, light and just thank you that we saw today that it's your character and it's not something to restrict us. Thank you so much that it's not something we need to work at. The only thing that you ask is to love you and to draw close to you, to emulate your character. And as we do, as we see you and all that you are, we'll want to be like you. We want to live just like you. And as we do that, keeping your law will be easy because that's who you are. Um, help us each and every day to, to draw closer to you. 
We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.